you've been seeing in Obi-Gyne pretty regularly, it sounds like, since. Oh, no, I just saw her once. She said, put me on hormones, and I was like, oh, hell no. Okay. I don't want no human hormones in me. I can understand why you feel that way. I feel heard and understood. The only hormone I want in me is serotonin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Emergency Medicine Journal Club podcast. It's a medical education podcast where medical students teach each other about emergency medicine. My name is Armand. I'm a fourth-year medical student going into EM, and I am joined by my flying co-hosts, Nate and Kyle. Nate, what are you about to do? I am about to lead you guys through a case and then run over to a circus that I joined because I decided to run away and join the circus. (laughs) Nate ran away from med school to join the circus. Oh, also, you should introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Nathan. I'm a fourth year medical student who's going into emergency medicine and also running away to join the circus at the same time. Hi, my name's Kyle. I'm a fourth year student going into emergency medicine, not going into the circus. Yet. Yet. Yeah. We've already introduced ourselves. Now it's time for the announcements. It's Halloween. Halloween. Announcement is it's Halloween. Yeah, but it's not going to be can Halloween you, when this comes out. Yeah, yeah, but can We're recording you... recording this on Halloween. Can you start the episode with the This is Halloween song, please? No, I, I can't this, do that. I, I, I told Google to play that this morning while Sunshine was getting ready. <laughs> and it, it, it put on the Marilyn Manson version. Oh my God, <laughs> oh my God. I've heard that. It was terrifying. I had to manually switch it over to the normal one. Why does it go to that one first? I don't know. Nobody listens for that one to that one for fun, I think. Yeah, it was scary. Oh, let's quickly go through the format, which is going to be finally normal after those last three episodes. It'll be Nate who's going to be walking us through a case that he either had or made up. Although I think this is something you actually had, right? Something I had. Yeah. Yeah. And then it'll be me and Kyle who will try and get through it with our dignity and honor intact by the end. And hopefully the patient will be alive. Everything will be fine. If not, that's the opportunity for Nate to teach us something with the article that he's going to present. As always, I like to spell out our goals here. They are number one, to learn at least one new thing, two, for that thing to be about emergency medicine, preferably from a journal article, and three, to have a little bit of fun while we do that. Okay, Nate, it is all you. Present your case. Okay. So imagine this, you guys. It's, It's Halloween. You're in the ED and you're looking at the board and you're wondering what patient you should take. And so you look and you see a a nice woman, we'll call her we'll call her Betty. And she has a chief complaint of tremor up on the board. And so you walk into the room and you see Betty go. Wait, can we get some extra information real quick? How old is Betty? Oh, so you want to like chart check her first? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so Betty is a 35-year-old African-American female. You see that she's been to a hospital emergency department probably about four or five times in the past year. But because our amazing medical record system, you cannot really see her chart, but you Mm. see that she's had multiple visits there within the past, Mm -hmm. let's say two years, two years. Okay, so everything is normal and I can't see anything. Yes, correct. Gotcha, all right. Vital signs are still being uploaded. They brought her back pretty fast. Oh, okay, why? You don't know, you haven't walked in the room. The right. The nurse note just says, please see in the comment section. Please see, okay, I'm gonna go see her. Cool, you walk in the room and you see a obese 35 year old African-American female sitting calmly in the bed. Okay, hello Betty. Oh no, wait, wait, wait. Is she having tremors? She is not. How are her ABCs? She's on her phone. Just, uh, you know, phone sign positive. Rolling. All right, all right, so she's alive. She, she is alive yes what's going on today betty uh so i've just been having these 
these problems. I've been having these weird shaking episodes and my body gets all, all funny. It's, it's happened a bunch and I keep going to the emergency room and they tell me to do stuff, but I'm really busy. I got a kid at home. I can't, I can't do all the weird tests they want me to do. What does all funny mean? I've had these, these episodes where it's just my, my leg doesn't work right. And my arm doesn't work right. And my, my, my face gets all droopy. I can't, I can't talk to my, I can't talk to my daughter. Right. Which arm and which leg and which side of your face? It's my, it's my left leg, my left arm. And then the, the, the left side of my mouth just doesn't, doesn't work right. Okay. It was happening earlier, but right now I feel fine. Happening earlier, meaning when did this happen? It was like this morning. And then time out. It's probably about like two in the afternoon now. It's like early afternoon. So it probably happened around like 10 this morning. Do you feel like you're having any of those droopy symptoms right now? Or feeling like you can't move your limbs right now? No, no, I feel fine now. So you're totally back to where you normally are. Yeah, I just have a I just have a bad headache, but I always have a headache. You always have a headache all the time? All the time. Since when? <sighs> Probably been about four years now. Okay. How long have these shaking episodes and weakness been happening? Probably about a year, but they've been getting more frequent. How frequent? So they used to be just like once in a blue moon and I would always just go to the emergency department. But now they seem to be happening like once a month or once every two weeks. You said you shake a lot when it happens? Yeah, just my leg. Just your leg? The left leg? Left leg. Does your left arm shake as well? No, it just feels funny. It feels weak. Like I can't, I can't okay. lift it that well. You can't move it. Okay. I can move it. Just not, just not wet. These episodes that you're having, are you conscious during them? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's an, I'm trying to yell at my daughter, but she just can't, can't, can't do it right. Drop the frying pan sometimes. It's annoying as hell. What did they tell you the last time you went to the hospital? Yeah. So I went a few times and first time they told me to, to follow up with my primary care physician, but I don't got one of those. So I, I didn't do that. So I went again and they gave me this weird little head scan put me in a machine and then they said they said something about that and they said I need to get some more some more scans and tests and go to some fancy doctor but I really I, I don't have time to take off work I can't I can't go and do all those uh, those tests and studies they wanted you don't remember what those tests or studies were with some pictures and they wanted to also do a get some of the the, the fluid from my my spine Right. We have a young, obese African-American female who's been having episodes that are happening more frequently for a year of left leg shaking, left arm weakness, and left face weakness, and all in the setting of four years of headache. Do you ever have trouble breathing when it happens? No, I can breathe fine. Okay. Any nausea or vomiting ever? I mean, I just have the nausea and vomiting all the time with my headache. Hmm. Has this headache gotten worse? You know, the headache's gotten a, a, a little worse, but it's still just, it's still just baseline. It's, it's in the background. Does it get worse when you have these episodes of shaking or is it the same? No, no, it's, it's the same with episodes. So what brought you to the emergency department today? She had oh, one a few hours ago, right? The, the yeah, shaking? I had one this morning. I had yeah, one okay. this morning. I couldn't, I, I couldn't get to the emergency department in, in the morning when it was happening because I didn't have my car. And so I just came as soon as, as soon as I could get my car. Do you have any medical problems that you know of? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I got hypertension 
And then six years ago, I got this fancy, fancy thing called vertigo. Just been having that all the time. And my, my, my doctor gave me something called Meclzine, which has been really helpful. And then other than that, my, my physician said that I was having something called alcohol dependency. I was drinking a handle every weekend and they told me I should probably cut down a little bit. So I just drink a glass of wine a night now. Sorry, when did you, when did you start cutting down the alcohol? You know, started cutting down the alcohol probably like uh, two years ago or so. Okay. Okay. Former alcohol abuse, debatable current, um, <laughs> hypertension, vertigo. Yeah, meclizine. Obesity. What medications do you take besides meclizine? So besides meclizine, I take a B12 supplement, and I take this this muscle relaxant called Flexoril that uh, they, they said was supposed to be helping with some of these muscle spasms, but I really haven't had it be that helpful. Other than that, I went to my OB-GYN a little bit ago, and they told me, because my period stops, that they were they were thinking that I should possibly start some hormones, but that seemed like a lot to me. So I, I got the prescription, but I really haven't filled it. What are your thoughts, Kyle? The one thing, I mean, the one big thing is brain mass. Yeah. Four years of headache every day, nausea, vomiting, worsening neurosymptoms over the past year. Brain mass. I was thinking maybe like seizures, probably secondary to brain mass. Yeah, that's a. I was thinking, I mean, could just be a primary epilepsy conversion disorder. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's Good. just in her head. Like, yeah. Like Good. just, I mean, it's probably actually in her head like physically, <laughs> oh. but... Let's put that number one. What conversion? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, uh, hey, Dr. Diva. I saw this patient. Um, I don't know her ABCs, and I think she has conversion disorder. <laughs> what are her vitals? Have, do we have her vitals yet? Oh, yeah, her vitals. <laughs> they were being um, uploaded. So, afebrile, pulse is 93, respiratory rate 15, blood pressure 145 over 105, and she's satting 100 on room air. Okay. Just a little hypertensive. Did, do you take anything for your blood pressure? One of the doctors wanted to put me on some medication, but then we decided that I was just going to do some diet and exercise and do do some fancy diet to help fix it. Did you do those diet and exercise? No, I haven't. I haven't had a chance to get on the diets. It's been a really hard few few months for me. Do you have anything else you would want to ask, or I think it's time to move no, on to physical? No exam. Physical exam time. We have her vitals already, and they're pretty much. Hypertensive, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Okay, general appearance, her. General appearance, she appears comfortable in bed. Okay. Comfortable in bed on her phone. Oh, no, she put her phone down. She's quiet. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's a really nice patient. Uh, heart and lungs on everybody. Heart and lungs. Her heart and lung exam is normal. All right, how about cranial nerves? Cranial nerves, uh, she just appears to have some hyperesthesia on the left side of her face. But other than that, pupils dilate correctly, H test is fine, all other cranial nerves are normal. Like the whole left side of her face or just part whole of the left it? side of her face. All top, middle, bottom. Okay. It even seems to be on her neck a little bit when you do the shoulder shrug. Mm -mm. Sensation throughout the rest of her body. Sensation on the right is normal. On the left, hyperesthesia on her trunk, her upper extremities, her and her lower extremities. So just hyperesthesia, her whole oh, left side? On the whole left side. Okay, how about strength? Strength seems five out of five on the right, 
possibly four out of five on the left. It seems just a little bit weaker, but it's nothing terribly noticeable. Reflexes? Reflexes are normal throughout left and right. Can I just call the optho guy now to bring his fundoscope down? Because I know there's not one available in the ED. <laughs> you know what? You were lucky because you actually called the optho fellow and he is actually he probably short. wasn't very happy about that. <laughs> oh no, he's short a few optho exams for some reason. And so he's, oh. he's super excited to come down because he's like, man, I need these numbers. You think you got something, you think you got something exciting? Um, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> What's going on? Okay, calm down there. Yeah, chill out, fellow. You're supposed to be burnt out. <laughs> I need these numbers. It's only two in the afternoon. Okay, then look inside her eyes, please. Okay, cool. Takes a look I'm inside concerned there. concerned she might have a brain mass or elevated intracranial pressure. Oh, wow. Brain mass. I'd be able to Possibly. see that. He takes a look. Her uh, endoscopic exam is normal. No signs of increased intracranial pressure. Mm-hmm. Come on, guys. You said this was going to be interesting. Okay. I don't know if we want any more consults right now. But... I want her to walk. Ooh, true. You want her to walk? Okay. Yeah. She gets up and she walks and she seems, oh, wow. This is... This is a lot better than it was this morning. This morning, I felt like I was tripping over my foot. I, I, I feel good right now. What are her pulses like distally? Her pulses are fine distally. You can feel them like surprising because there's a lot of adipose tissue in her lower extremities, but you can feel them strong. How is her active range of motion of her extremities? Her active range of motion of her extremities is inhibited by body happiness, but otherwise fine. No pain, no shocking pain throughout, no... It's equal on both sides? Equal on both sides, yeah. Nurse comes up and let's just... So, uh, do you want us to get, like, access, get any labs for you guys, or what What are we doing with her? Yes, please. I would like to establish IV access in this woman. What labs do we want? Um, brain mass is the biggest thing that we have right now. CBC, there might be an elevated white count. BMP... I mean, she probably, it sounds like she has PCOS, so she's probably got at least an elevated glucose. I don't know about any of the other things mm-hmm. that might be altered. Sorry, we, we did do a full, I, I might have forgotten to ask this. We did a full like exam, skin exam, and like MSK exam on her legs and her left arm. Skin exam is largely normal. And then as this is happening, her left leg just starts shaking. It's just a very rhythmic, small shake in her left leg, uh, anterior posterior. Has her mental exam changed at all? She's just like, she starts slurring her speech a little bit, but she starts saying like, ah, that damn leg. Slurring your speech as in, what's the, how has her physical exam changed now on her left side of her face? Physical exam on the left side of her face, it's just a very slight droop of her, the corner of her mouth and a little bit of her eyelid. Is she able to raise both eyebrows? She's not able to raise her eyebrows on the left. Do we want to get neuro involved? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like lab wise, I don't know. I see, this is the thing. Now I'm thinking like, could this be like an autoimmune thing? But I don't know what the labs to draw for that. ANA. <laughs> yeah, sure. Shaking stops and she's back to the baseline. Thyroid studies. I don't, know. I don't think. No, it's maybe. not a bad idea though. Why not? All right. Thyroid, CBC, thyroid. BMP, thyroid. ANA. Do it. Sure, we can get an ANA. We would also like a pregnancy test. Okay, yeah, you can get a pregnancy test. It's, it's negative. I'm thinking she's definitely going to need some imaging, though. Yes, non-con head CT, probably now, considering 
new neuro findings on yes. exam. Yes, please. <laughs> that would be great. You want to let anyone know you're doing that? Radiology and my attending and neuro and the patient oh. and the nurse. Oh, cool, cool. And so, transport and probably the tech too. She's being transported over to the CT right now and neuro stops by and says, hey, what's going on? Uh, getting a, a stat head CT? Yes, yes, she had new neuro findings on exam. Oh, what neuro findings was she having? Her left leg started shaking and she started flaring her speech with left-sided facial weakness. Oh man, so what are you thinking? You know, could be a stroke. Probably not since this has been going on for a while, but I think more likely some sort of either brain mass or epilepsy or like Armand said, autoimmune issue. Did you pull some labs? We yeah. Did. Great. So you're checking that uh, CK and lactate, right? Because she might be having a seizure. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah definitely. You... Yeah, of course. I, I would like to order a CK and also a lactate. <laughs> As she's being loaded into the CT machine, the nurse... Uh -huh quickly sneaks in there and pulls some more vials of blood to send to the lab. I think right. you nurse Barb. Okay, you guys were worried about stroke. So you called the stat read. So with that, the radiologist gives you a call right away, says, okay, well, there's no sign of uh, hemorrhage or ischemia, but we are seeing some uh, calcifications in the left cerebellum. Also, there's some questionable sulci effacement of the right frontal lobe. This is kind of strange. I haven't really seen, well, I can't really see it that well on CT. If you guys wanted to get an MRI, if, if, if I saw this on CT, this would be something I would classically get an MRI for, especially if she seems unstable. To Anything in her thalamus? Nothing directly is noted in the thalamus. Oh, okay. Is that literally what it says? No, I just can't find it on the Oh, okay, screen. all right. <laughs> Most of it seems like very on the uh, outside, like superficial. There, It doesn't seem to be involving... It doesn't seem to be deep. Yeah, um, so the cerebellar calcifications, are they in the parenchyma of the cerebellum or are they on the outside as well? On the outside. I think we're going to end up getting an MRI for this lady anyway. Yeah, which like all throughout the cerebellum or just one side? Left cerebellum. Left cerebellum and right frontal sulcal effacement. Otherwise, parenchymal architecture mm -hmm. is within normal limits. All right, MRI. Cool. So that's going to take a little bit. So while you get the MRI, mm. you're going to get some lab results coming back. Okay. It is a, a stat MRI because the, the radiologist is a little concerned with both the presentation, chronicity, the fact that she had a new episode um, inside the ED. It doesn't seem like she'd be safe to do this outpatient. Mm. So as you get the results back, her CK is 58. Her glucose is 84. Sodium within normal limits, potassium within normal limits, chloride within normal limits, bicarb within normal limits, no anion gap, uh, BUN and creatinine are within normal limits, calcium is fine, albumin's fine, white blood cell count is 7.5, normal hemoglobin hematocrit, normal platelets, and then just the only thing that the only two things that flag high neutrophil percentage of her white blood cells and a high band, a high number of bands. Um, what's her mag and FOS? Uh, her mag is 1.6. You don't get her phosphate because I can't find her phosphate on this report. Cool. But you can assume it is within normal limits. I'm still in ICU mode. Ripley. <laughs> okay, so really pretty much totally normal except for uh, elevated bands and elevated neutrophil percentage, but her white count is normal. Uh, her white count was, yeah, 7.5. Not helpful. Could we get an RPR 
an RPR. Yes, Ooh. you can. Good. It's in the lab. Good cool. one. Throw in an HIV test while we're at it. Might as well. Sure. Throw in an HIV, which, you know, would be nice because her uh, father had AIDS back in the 80s. But, you know, the nurse and the medical student want to go ask that and let you know because you guys didn't care about her family history at all. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> well, I OK, this is tough because. We haven't been in the clinical space for a long time. And the clinical space I've been in. So Kyle, you definitely haven't been in the clinical space for a while. No, one month. Right. I have been in the ICU where all of my history gathering is for an unconscious patient. Yeah, exactly. It's like, all right. uh, You get the medical student and the the nurses to help you out. I am the medical student. That's the issue. (laughs) You get the third year. Right. Who's really... Who's asking all about that social history? Like, <laughs> what type of exercise? Do you, do? you get the cap student. <laughs> first year cap student. How many? What's your um, living situation like? <laughs> do you have any pets? Parrot. She has a parrot. No, I don't. Do you know. say? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ooh. All right. When's that? When's that RPR coming back? RPR. I really want to know. It's negative. Okay. Damn. All right, can we go back real quick? Ask a couple more questions. Yeah, you can ask her the 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 MRI. It's uh, compiling or rendering. Or sure. Whatever. All right. So you can ask her more questions. Let's see. We got a good HPI. We any we got past medical history. We got uh, any surgeries in the past. Uh, do you want the rest of her past medical history? Yes, please. <laughs> so well, you uh, just didn't give the whole past medical history. Oh, sorry, when I asked you about right, medical I history. history. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you said family history. You, you have her past medical history. Okay, fantastic <laughs> surgeries. Uh, no surgeries in the past. Okay. Any allergies to medications? No allergies. Probably should have done that before we sent her to imaging. Um, yeah, she has a massive gadolinium allergy. <laughs> and sent her to MRI without contrast. Uh, we did meds already. Family history, other than yeah. the AIDS and H, uh, yeah, the AIDS. Family history. Her mother has hypertension. Her father passed away of AIDS in the 80s. And all her siblings are healthy so far, but she is the oldest. Okay. Social history. Any smoking? Yeah. I, I used to smoke like two packs a day, but I've been really trying to cut back. I'm down to uh, like one or two cigarettes a day. One or two cigarettes a day. Any vaping or electronic cigarette use? No, I just like my Malibu Slims. Malibu Mar. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> any alcohol? Uh, Someone so- has never smoked before. <laughs> <laughs> I use I, I don't good Armand. Um, I used to I used to drink a lot. I used to drink about one or two glasses of wine a day, and then a pint of gin on on Saturdays. But I just cut it down to one glass of wine a day. Okay, one glass of wine a day. And oh, I remember asking this. So she like cut down two years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any drugs? Oh no, I would never touch drugs. Anything like cocaine, marijuana, heroin. Oh, I smoke pot. You smoke pot. Oh, yeah. It helps my nausea and vomiting mm. from the headache. I meant to ask, are you nauseous all day? All day. All day, every day. How many times do you vomit a day? You know, I only vomit like once or twice a week. I don't vomit every day. You got some of her social history. What's your living situation like? I live at home with my daughter. What do you do for work? I'm unemployed right now. Oh, I'm trying I'm to get a job as a police officer. You want to know anything more about my headache? Is it um, all over your head or just in one spot? Oh, no, no, no. It starts very specifically behind my right eye. It moves all the way to the back of my head and then all the way up to the top of my head. 
Every time you have a headache. All the time. It's just like she always has a headache, Armand. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, like, does it start like in the beginning of the day behind your eye and then move its way throughout the day? Oh yeah. It will wax and wane a little bit. It's always there baseline, but when it starts growing again, Mm -hmm. I feel the kind of piercing behind my eye. And then it's like they just take a knife all the way around my head and then all the way up top. Okay, so every time it progresses and gets worse, it always gets worse starting with your eye going up to your head. Yeah. Okay, and it is on one side or both sides, both eyes? Just, just the right side. Just the right side. Yeah. Okay, so she's having symptoms sometimes, on the left. Sometimes my vision changes just a little bit. Things get just a little fuzzy, but not really. It doesn't, I, I can still read and see fine. And that goes away once it moves past my eye. Okay. Are these worsening headaches ever associated with your legs having that uh, like tremor or that shaking? You know, at first it wasn't. At first it was just completely by itself. But lately I've been getting the headache after the tremor. So I'd have it kind of low at baseline and then I'd have the tremor and it would get worse after, after the tremor stops. Have you noticed anything that brings on the shaking or the headache? You know, I tried to watch that and, you know, I tried laying down, sitting up, no difference. I, it's, it's sometimes worse if I have the lights on and if I go into a dark room, it's a little easier. Okay. When we were shining that light in your eyes, mm-hmm. did you have a headache or it any just, sensitivity? It just, hurt. it just hurt right behind my eye, hmm. just a little bit. And did it do the same thing where it like traveled up to your head? That one, that one, it was just right behind my eye. Okay. I didn't, right. I didn't notice afterwards. All right. I've kind of reached the end of my questions here. I feel like I'm not getting anything else out of here. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I don't have anything else. Nurse Barb, before the MRI results come back, only other thing is, uh, what was she saying about her period stopping? Oh, I just kind of assumed she had PCOS in my head and didn't ask anything about that. <laughs> Wasn't her glucose normal and she doesn't have yeah. diabetes? And uh, Yes, it is now time to expand upon this. When was your last menstrual period? 2016. Mm. Sorry, my mind just <laughs> did the crazy jump of like, oh, what if she has like endometriosis of her brain? And that's what's up there. My mind went to, did she have a hysterectomy and didn't know about it? No. <laughs> No surgery. She has not had surgery, and she has no abdominal scars. Yeah, I know. I have no reason to not trust this woman. The last time you had a period was in 2016, four years ago? Yeah. You've been seeing an OB-GYN pretty regularly, it sounds like, since. Oh, no. I just saw her once. She said, put me on hormones, and I was like, oh, hell no. Okay. I don't want no human hormones in me. I can understand why you feel that way. I feel heard and understood. The only hormone I want in me is serotonin. Okay, so your uh, MRI results come back. You oh, thank have, God. Um, the radiologist calls you uh, a, a, little, um, a little frantic and uh, reads it off and says, so there's some dural and subarachnoid thickening and enhancement. Again, like noticeably along that right frontal lobe, um, though it also is on the left a little bit. It was easier to see on the MRI than the CT. Also in the cerebellar fossa, again, right greater than left, but it is there on the, on, on the left as well. And it's extending all the way into the floor of the third ventricle and the infundibulum. Additionally, there's foci of cortical enhancement along the gyrus recti. Have you guys been on any uh, precautions? Because this is really indicative of one of three things. It's either some sort of inflammatory disorder, it's some sort of infectious disorder, or an oncogenic process. 
And uh, one of the infectious things you got to worry about is that uh, uh, meningeal tuberculosis. Well, we've been on COVID precautions, so Perfect. we've also been on tuberculosis precautions. Yes. Perfect. We got, we, we got some more findings, though. Also showed some leptomeningeal enhancement, granulation, and thickening of the pituitary stalk, as well as some asymmetrical white matter lesions. Uh, the head CT kind of went into her uh, cervical spine a little bit. There's no cord lesions. The cervical spine looks fine. But they basically say this is really uh, suggestive of some sort of inflammatory disease like sarcoidosis, some sort of infectious disease like viral meningitis, tuberculosis meningitis, or some sort of oncogenic uh, process in the brain. Those are your, that's the main differential uh, that these findings would be indicative of. Gotcha. Cool. Um, where's that neuro resident at? Cause oh, hey, what's up? Can we get some like pituitary labs? Stuff like uh, FSH, LH, prolactin. Uh, yeah, the neuro, the neuro resident stops by really quick. He's like, I got to run to a brain attack. But if you really want to tell the difference, uh, you want to make sure that you tap that spinal cord. That could tell you if you yeah. have like, more of an infectious. Yeah, I, uh, I want to do that, but I don't know what to get from the LP is why I want to know from the neuro resident. Oh yeah. You just make sure look, look for any like white cells, any uh, um, inflammatory markers, proteins, and, uh, and, and do a bio, biofire on it. The biofire should pick up any of the major uh, viruses we're concerned about. Okay, cool. Hey, nurse Barb. Um, I want to do what that neuro resident just said. Cool. You're doing the LP. I'll get the kit ready for you. Perfect. Here's the kit. All right, in this magical I, I, world. I do, the, I do the LP. It's a champagne tap. It is beautiful. I take, oh. the four, I take the four tubes of fluid and I give them to Nurse Barb and say, send these to the lab. She says, aye, aye, Captain. Thank you so much, Nurse she Barb. She runs them down to the lab herself. All right. Swift. That was unnecessary, Barb, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> Swift as a gazelle down to the lab. And they start uh, looking that for you. Okay. You get your, do, do you want to ask her any questions before the CSF comes back? Nurse Barb has the paper and was like, I still want to get the pituitary labs just because there was that. Oh like, yeah. Calcification. Oh, we did that. Yeah, we did. And that, I forgot. We did TSH. We did thyroid studies already. We Where also did ANA. Yeah. Yeah. Where are our labs? Come on, Barb. You have your CSF studies, your pituitary studies. I don't have because that is something that they definitely should have ordered, <laughs> but they didn't order. We can look up and when we get the final diagnosis to see how they're actually changed. I would yeah. assume that they are lowered. I would assume that they are down, mm. but we will ask Bella to look that up for us. Producer Bella here. Nathan's assumption is correct. I will provide more information at the end of the case. So your CSF results are back. She has an elevated white blood cell count at 31 with a lymphocytic predominance. She has an elevated protein at 130 and the biofire, which magically came back super fast, is entirely negative. What about glucose? You know, that lab result just like broke the machine. Machine just, <sighs> it actually caught fire. There's a smudge on the screen. The smudge on the screen actually follows every time you scroll up and down. The, the lab technician actually just tasted the CSF and said, Hmm, it tastes like whatever inflammatory process tastes like. That's what it looked like when I tapped it, you know? I looked at it and I said, that's, that's inflammatory. 
the brain attack's over, so the neuroresident comes back. I had a chance to finally look over that MRI really carefully in your CSF studies and all the labs. And I'm going to say, this is this is really looking like an inflammatory process. Are you worried about MS at all? Yeah, I'm still worried about MS. I haven't ruled it out. Some of the other things just to... Definitely not. To look for is could always be sarcoidosis. And so if, if, if you're worried about that, I would try looking and seeing if you see it anywhere else. So that might just be if you want to get some more... I would suggest a CT. Yes. Cool. So you get the CT and it shows several predominant peritracheal but subcarinal and right hilar lymph nodes and several small perivascular lymph nodes in the right axillary and subpectoral regions. There is pulmonary, interlobular, and septal thickening most prominent in the apices suggestive of sarcoidosis. So this woman has sarcoidosis. So this woman has a sarcoidosis with neurosarcoidosis. Neurosarcoidosis. We can end the case. This was a case that I actually had when I was on ER radiology and we were kind of following. And it was a little hard to do because this actually happened over four or five ED visits. And they kept sending her home and telling her to go get an MRI outside and do all this stuff outside. And she would just never do it and come back with these seizure-like activities. And so the big thing is neurosarcoidosis. I don't know if you guys remember from like step studying and everything. It's one of those things that is always kind of in the back of your differential. It's uh, neurosarcoidosis is really rare. Of the people that have sarcoidosis, only like five to 10 or five to 15% of um, patients with sarcoidosis will have neurosarcoidosis. And secondarily, if they have neurosarcoidosis, they are very likely to have an, another organ affected by sarcoidosis. It's very rare to have only neurosarcoidosis. So basically, what would happen to this woman after you find both those brains, kind of the leptomeningeal enhancement is a big clue factor. Because as the radiologist said, if you have those leptomeningeal enhancements, you're generally thinking, inflammatory process like MS or sarcoidosis, you're thinking like a meningeal or a infectious process, again, worried about TB or other viral processes, or you're worried about cancer. You're worried about an oncogenic process. That being said, one of the big things that you can always do is if you're worried at all for neurosarcoidosis, check elsewhere, get a chest, abdomen, pelvis. If there's not excluding criteria for that, because if you find sarcoidosis elsewhere in the body, you have a very high likelihood that that is neurosarcoidosis. And the way you can get a definitive diagnosis of sarcoid is actually by biopsy. And so it's very helpful if you can actually find it elsewhere in the body. So you're not doing a brain biopsy. Mm. And instead you're doing, this lady went and got a uh, lung biopsy that did confirm sarcoidosis with biopsy. And she was then treated with 40 milligrams of prednisone with a taper. If she wasn't responding to prednisone, uh, you increase the treatment to something like methotrexate or like an immunomodulator. You guys were good that you did not send her home and you did not, I, I gave her a little bit of a seizure in the room to make sure you weren't gonna send her home like one of the EDs did. Oh no, she's seizing. Go home. Yeah, actually, actually. <laughs> Don't this, tease here. This was actually Your a legs really are moving. good. Get out. Um, 
what happens with the sarcoidosis and because it's an inflammatory process, that was actually causing all of her symptoms. So when it's on that kind of sensory area of the brain, she's getting that hypersthesia all on one side of her body. When it's on the pituitary, it's actually causing her to be anovulatory. Uh... And that was actually the cause of her anovulation. Neurosarcoidosis may affect the hypothalamus and pituitary, in which case the hormones produced by these organs will be affected as Nathan suggested. This was demonstrated in the article Sarcoidosis, Clinical, Hormonal, and MRI Manifestations of Hypothalamic Pituitary Disease in Nine Patients and Review of the Literature by Bionetal in 2007. It was also causing a little bit of vision changes as it was affecting like the ocular nerve. They were a little worried about MS in this ED just because it was affecting ocular nerve, facial nerve, uh, sensation, parts of the brain. But uh, you were right that it was all kind of happening simultaneously. Unfortunately, because she was not caught that fast, she did evolve from kind of this local lakes twitching that they originally thought was either a complex migraine or a focal seizure. Um, she actually did evolve to get a full grand mal seizure ended up intubated in the ICU. So this is kind of a progressive diagnosis that if you don't catch it and start treating it early, it can progress to be very serious. So always having neurosarcoidosis kind of in the back of your mind, especially if you have new onset neurosymptoms that don't really fit with a good disease process. It's always good to keep in mind and go for that kind of heavier imaging. When you're starting to rule all these things out. Yeah all the common things, neurosarcoidosis can be one of the things that kind of raises up. So keep it in the back of your head, literally. Keep it in the back of your head because it is one of those rare things. The exception- also keep it in the front of your head. Yeah, on the right well, side. She had it in the front of her head, the front, right, right, frontal. <laughs> um, but it's also the thing to keep in mind, especially she was harder because she didn't have a prior diagnosis of sarcoidosis. Mm. If you have someone coming in with known sarcoidosis of like the chest, abdomen, and pelvis, mm-hmm. And they start presenting with these really weird neurosymptoms. Of course, call your code stroke. Of course, call all your common things to make sure it's not that. But keep in the back of your head that this could be neurosarcoidosis. And the treatment is very helpful to stop progression in these patients. So in the case studies, the mean age of diagnosis was 39. <laughs> so it's generally a little older than this patient. But it's still, it's in, it's in the 30s. Like they can be in the 30s and get um, sarcoidosis. Okay. And so always one of the things to keep in the back of your mind, especially because the treatment is you're giving them steroids to start and seeing if that works. It's an easy enough start to treat them. Would you have to start her on some IV methylpred or just discharge her on oral prednisone? So for her... Well, she ended up in the ICU. She personally ended up in the ICU, but if you thought she was safe to discharge, one of her initial discharges was with 40 milligrams of prednisone over four weeks with a taper and make sure she has follow-up. Like she wasn't following up that well. She needed to follow up with neuroclinic. Probably if she had a better idea, some of the initial diagnoses she got were like these complex migraine diagnoses because they kind of got this kind of one-sided head pain that moved had a little bit of a visual aura, and then had like this focal, very confined focal seizure-like mm-hmm. activity. So probably if someone explained to her that this was a serious thing, how it could progress, and the treatment, she probably would have been a little more 
serious with her follow-up. Just to quickly clarify, these neurosymptoms that happen, they're because of an inflammatory process, not because of the mass effect that these like lesions on like the outside of her brain are uh, causing, right? So it's the inflammatory process, not not the like little nodules on the on her leptomeninges. It can be. It can be kind of the the uh, mass process as well, because in very late, if this oh, okay yeah. goes later, right. you can have that papilledema, and those would be people presenting more with a grand mal, I would think. Yeah. But in the paper that we're going to be linking, it kind of says some of the neuro symptoms that you should be looking for. And so some of those include aseptic meningitis symptoms, even cauda equina, cranial neuropathies, focal neurological things like she had with that uh, unilateral leg shaking and weakness, myopathies, polyneuropathies, but then also raised intracranial pressure. Hmm. Getting more serious, you can even have seizures and unresponsiveness and like she ended up having to be intubated. Right. I guess the reason I asked that question is because is this something that you can help with definitively with like surgery? Generally, the treatment is medication okay. and not right. surgery wise because the medication will take kind of the inflammation and swelling down. Okay. Um, and so generally the way to do it is you start with your corticosteroids, then you move to more intense immunosuppression, such as hydroxychloroquine, azithroprine, cyclophosphamide, methotrexate. If that doesn't work, you escalate again to your TNF-alpha inhibitors. Okay, so you just kind of go down the road of like anti-inflammatory medications and like immunomodulatory yeah, yeah, medications. Yeah, you kind of run up that, gotcha. that path. Yeah, but it's definitely one of the things that is the, when you start having something that looks unusual and you can't put the pieces together correctly, I think you guys were on the right track at the beginning when you were saying like, I, this sounds like a brain mass. Like there's a bunch of things that aren't, there's motor sensory throughout affecting both cranial nerves and non-cranial nerves. Didn't quite get the amenorrhea being related to this. Then she had visual problems and this headache. If you can't really loop it together, getting that imaging early is really helpful. Solid. Thank you. Seriously. I actually learned that if you have these potentially like uh, inflammatory processes going on in the brain. So it's not a bad idea to get full imaging for someone who you're considering for sarcoidosis. So like get like that CT of their, of their chest, just to see if there are like any other, uh, as if there's any other evidence of sarcoidosis and that will kind of help you a lot in somebody who's having these weird neuro findings that you can't quite put your finger on. And I will definitely be keeping neurosarcoidosis in the back of my head, but not literally like her. I had no idea you could get just neurosarcoidosis without it causing other issues first. Because we always just learn about it as a primarily lung issue, like sometimes heart, like infiltrative disease there. But it seemed like she just had isolated neuro issues. And then I didn't know like, oh, you see this like, oh, it's an inflammatory process. Go find where it's from. <laughs> like, if it's a mask, okay, do like CT, chest, abdomen, pelvis to see if it's mets from somewhere. But I didn't think about, look for where the inflammatory process actually is originating. Mm. Okay, anyway, I would like to thank you, Nate. Thank you that, for that uh, wonderful case. And thank you too, Kyle. And also our producer, Bella, for answering all the questions we had during the podcast. 
Guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it to only one friend. And then leave us a nice review on iTunes. Again, no idea if that does anything. And if you have any questions or if you have an article you would like us to take a look at, or you know what leaving a five-star review on iTunes does, uh, please email us at emjccast, all one word, at gmail.com. Uh, guys, obviously I'm recruiting you and you are already recruited to the naming committee. Um, I don't have a name set up. So Nate, hit me, hit me with the circus fact. The circus fact. On Spanish web, which is a rope with a loop at the top, you can put your ankle into the loop instead of your wrist and spin upside down. But if you do that, you can't get out without someone helping you from the bottom of the rope. So if your teacher does not like how you performed, they can make it very difficult for you to get out and you can get stuck hanging upside down for three plus minutes. Not speaking out of personal experience, but right, take a, a take a video of it. Take a video of you stuck in the Spanish yeah, web, so we can put it on the podcast. Send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> Friendly neighborhood, soon out. Autobots, Autobots roll out. Roll out. <laughs>